0: Bless his name. Bless his name. There is no other name under the heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. There is no other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Bless the Lord for his kindness, his goodness, and mercy towards us today, even today. Amen. It is so good to be with you once again this morning as we have the great and extraordinary privilege to worship the Lord together. Let me pray for us this morning. Father in heaven, we do love the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, salvation is given. At the name of Jesus, sin is forgiven. At the name of Jesus, demons will tremble. At the name of Jesus, strongholds will fall. At the name of Jesus, yokes will fall off. At the name of Jesus, we know that all glory and honor belongs to you and all, all, everyone uh, above the earth and below the earth. And on the earth, we'll declare the praise and honor and glory due your name, Jesus. And it is in the matchless name of Jesus that we do come right now, O Lord, asking that you would bless this moment of of preaching and teaching your word, that you would be uh, heavy in this place and you would meet us where we are. We need you, O God. We need a word from on high. We don't need another word from the news. We don't need another word from CBS. We don't need another word from NBC. We don't need another word from ABC. But, Lord, we need a word from you in heaven, Oh Lord. May you meet us where we are, dear God. We may be uh, downtrodden and in despair. Lord, we may have walked up in here limping this morning, but because of your goodness and your faithfulness, dear God, we ask that you would encourage and strengthen and keep us even now. So, Father, we ask that you would have your way in this place, that we would make much of the name of Jesus, and you would be exalted, and we would be transformed, and we would never be the same. We love you, and we do thank you. In Jesus' name, we do pray. And all of God's people said together, amen, amen. Again, welcome to this worship service at the church gathered at Forest, And uh, I sincerely thank every single uh, individual who, who makes this possible uh, each week now, from the screening team, logistics team, set up, all those who are sending out the communications through the week, the, uh, the text messages, uh, uh, the praise team rehearsals like. I, I, I thank every single person who was giving of themselves sacrificially to make this uh, gathering possible this morning. And when we do come to the end of our worship service, if you will pause near your seats and we will be dismissed by roles. Someone will will come by and dismiss you by roles. Amen. Well, beloved, I, I, I found out quickly that if you want to know what we're going to be preaching through next, you just just join our weekly Bible study. Uh, and the reason being is the Lord has has brought us through a number of different books as we've been studying together. We we went through the book of Proverbs. We went through the book of James. We went through the book of Amos. We went. Uh, we're, we're going through the, bit, the book of uh, Romans right now. And uh, just as the Lord blessed my heart tremendously through the book of Romans, He has tremendously blessed my heart uh, in the book of Romans as as we're looking at this whole plan of salvation that God has given, and uh, as we are are looking at this whole plan of salvation to. Uh, what the Lord has been doing is through these books of the Bible, he, he is showing me how, how God's word is relevant to right now. And not just back then, but God's word is relevant right now. Have you ever had one of those moments where you read reading God's word and you say, that means something to me right now? Not yesterday, not the day before, but this means something to me right now. And that's what the Lord has been doing uh, in, in, in my life and, and, and in my heart because when, when, I, when I look at this whole plan of salvation... Uh, this is a a, a a source of genuine encouragement for right now. And we know that during a sustained, any, any sustained season of difficulty, it's easy to, to lose focus and it's easy to get off track. But I just want to share that during this sus- season of sustained difficulty, uh, it is even you may have found yourself getting off track. Maybe you haven't been as faithful to the Lord as you once were or you desire to be. Maybe you have found yourself going down that path that you know the Lord wants you to come back to get on track. And it's easy during these sustained times of difficulty to lose focus just because of the intensity of the pain. And to, to use an analogy from the sports world, whenever an athlete uh, gets off track or loses focus, uh, one of the best things that they could ever do is just go back to the basics of their sport. So whether it's baseball, football, basketball, soccer, lacrosse, whatever it is, when, 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 when you lose your swing, when, when your stroke is off, when, when you're not uh, able to, uh, to juke like, like, like you used to, and, and things are off, many times uh, a coach will have the athlete go back to the basics. Go back to those fundamental skills that they learned when they were a, a child. And it's by going back to the basics that you're able to move forward properly. And, beloved, I truly believe this is an analogy that the the Lord wants us to have even today. He he wants us to to understand in order for us to move forward, to do what he wants us to do, to accomplish all that he desires, he wants us to get back to the basics. In order to regain our focus, in order to get back on track, in order to to move forward, we, we, we need to get back to basics, get back to that faith that the Lord had given us. That, 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 that sweet salvation that the Lord blessed us with. Uh, when, when I think about getting back to ba- basics, I'm reminded of, of even King David. King David had to get back to basics, beloved, because there was a, there was a many, uh, quite a few uh, moments in time where King David, he lost focus. And King David got off track. When he falls into sin with Bathsheba, he, he commits adultery, impregnates her, and murders her husband, and he is in the, uh, the pit of sin and in despair. Uh, David understood that he had to get back to basics. Nathan comes to him and says, you need to go holler at the Lord. And we see in Psalm 51 that David just goes back to basics, and he just he begins to, to, to seek God through prayer. He's not trying to be sophisticated. He's not trying to be above his, his station. He's just trying to get back to, to where the Lord had, had, had met him at in the first place, and he begins to cry out in Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That spirit was once there. He had to get back to basics. And he says, cast me not away from your presence, nor take your Holy Spirit from me. He had to get back to the time where the Holy Spirit touched and anointed him and allowed him to even love the Lord like he did. And then he finishes up with verse 12 where he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with the willing spirit. King David had to get back to basics, the fundamentals of his faith. And the fundamentals of our faith, it don't, our faith doesn't start with us. Our faith doesn't start with me, and, and, and your faith doesn't start with you. Our faith starts with God, and it starts with his work and what he's doing in creation because he loves, because he just wants to love us. Because he has a desire to, to lavish his grace and mercy upon us. Because he has chosen to set his affections upon us. It starts with him. And that's the basis we got to get back to. Because sometimes we're trying to manipulate God. and say, well, if I do this, well, if I read my Bible enough, well, if I just pray enough, if I'm just nice enough, then maybe God will do Then maybe God, he's saying, no, you stop trying to manipulate me and you just get back to basics and just love me. Just love me. And this morning, we just need to love God and, and love this great and glorious gospel that he has given. Through this letter of Paul to the Romans, I just wanted to take us back to some gospel basics for a, few, uh, for, for a while. Uh, uh, and, and understanding what it, what, what, what the implications of the gospel, the meaning of the gospel, and, and oh, what, what, what great grace and glorious news we have in the gospel. The Apostle Paul takes 16 chapters in the book of Romans unpacking the gospel. I won't take take 16 chapters today, but we're just going to look at quickly just just the beginning of these gospel basics. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles on your device to Romans, the first chapter. Romans, the first chapter. We're just going to look at three, three simple verses this morning, beginning with the 15th verse. Romans, the first chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. If you are able, please stand and honor reading of God's word together. Romans, the first chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also, to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And Lord, a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated in this new study for. A few weeks, Gospel Basics. I just want to kick off today. The, the gospel is the good news today. The gospel is the good news today. And, beloved, we need good news today. I'm reminded of those memes that we've been seeing out there on the Internet that, that kind of describes what it's been like in 2020. There's, there's that meme that says, uh, this was me before 2020, and this, this is me in 2020. This, this is what I was expecting out of 2020. And but this is what really has happened in 2020. And, and we can relate because we had some plans, didn't we have some plans? We had some vacations. We had, we had all kinds of things uh, in front of us in 2020. And the Lord has, has called us to, caused us to, to change and, and to rearrange everything. And in the midst of these trying. Tiring times there's been many moments where I found myself saying after after these last few months, I could really use some good news. I found myself saying i I, I would love to hear some good news on the t v for once wouldn't wouldn't it be good news to hear that they finally came out with that vaccine and and that uh, they've tested it on everyone, and, and there's it, no side effects, and it's actually worse. That, that would be good news. Wouldn't it be good news to hear how, how uh, uh, the government has repented for their sins and, and, and said that they, uh, all of the racial injustice and uh, uh, animus and... And all that is is put down. That that would just be some good news. Wouldn't it be good news if we had a complete restructure of the social justice system and and, and people were treated fairly and rightly, uh, equitable, as the Word of God declares? That would just be some good news. Wouldn't that be good news? And as I was thinking about, man, I'm just waiting to hear some good news. And just when I, I found myself falling into despair, I don't know about you, beloved, sometimes I just get low. And sometimes I I, I get tired. Maybe it's just me, but sometimes I actually get discouraged and I'm not encouraged. Maybe it's just me, but there's times when I am about to fall. I'm right at the precipice of falling over the cliff. And then the Lord in his grace and mercy by the power of his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just grabs me up and reminds me that if Jesus is my Lord and Savior, then I've already got good news. He begins to remind me that I don't need a word to come through the television. I have a word from Christ Jesus himself that reminds me I do have good news. So I don't have to wait for good news to come today. I've got good news today. But, beloved, I have found out that the problem seems to be when we have the good news of the gospel, we want to move away from the gospel to some bigger and better things. We want to move into uh, theology and philosophy, and we want to get theological, or, or we want to, I, I just want to go deep. I just want to go deep in my way. It's good, yeah, you want to go deep, but, but there's, there's, some, there's, there's times where we don't appreciate the simplicity and the depth of the gospel. And we begin to move away from it, trying to find our fix. We begin to move away from the gospel, trying to stand on our own strength, trying to stand on our own intellect. And God is saying, you can't move away from the gospel because it's in, through, and by the gospel that I'm keeping you. You can't move away from the gospel. We can't move away from the gospel. So this morning, I just want us to pause for a moment just to to gaze upon the glorious truths of the gospel. See how beautiful the gospel really is. To pull apart some of these precious truths of the gospel and to see what God has actually accomplished for you and me. To take a moment to gaze at the gospel and to, to consider my life before I received this good news. A moment to to understand that we were so dead in our trespass, we were so depraved, we were so lost, we were so wicked and we were so sinful that it took God himself to clothe himself in humanity and to walk the dusty streets of Galilee and in order for you and I to be saved, he had to be hung high and he had to be stretched wide. God himself to consider the price that had to be paid for you and I to be saved. I believe it's through this gazing at the gospel that we can truly appreciate and know for sure we have good news today. Our whole big idea this morning is the fact that the gospel is the good news we need today and every day. Quite literally, this word translated gospel means good news, the Ewangelion. good news. And we often say that uh, we can't really appreciate good news unless you fully understand the bad news, right? And the bad news is the fact that We have forsaken God. See, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created everything good. He created everything perfect. And he gave every single thing a purpose, a plan, and a design. And God provided every single thing that we need for life and godliness right in the garden. But yet, even though God was so good and though God was so faithful, after he creates man, the man and the woman decide to be disobedient to God's command and in their disobedience, sin enters into creation and that sin severs and disrupts that fellowship that they had both vertically and horizontally. Their relationship with with God is disrupted. It, It is broken. Their relationship with one another is now perverted and distorted, and their, and their uh, relationship with the, with the creation itself is, is full of challenges and contentiousness now. But most of all, because sin enters into creation, we all deserve to be eternally separated from this good and holy and righteous God because of our sin, because God cannot dwell in the presence of sin. He cannot be in the presence of, of ungodliness because God is holy. He is set apart. And because that we are in sin, our whole being has been affected. My, my actions have, have been affected. My mind has been affected. My, everything about me has been affected. My, uh, uh, now now I, I, I grow old and now I, 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 get, I got more aches than I used to have before, all, all because of sin. And apart from Christ, I'm headed to an eternity in hell. See, that's the bad news. And the fact that you're born into sin, the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. King David reminds us that I was, I was brought forth in sin and shaped in iniquity. This sin nature is, is in us from the beginning, and, and, and we desire to do what we want to do, how we want to do, no matter who it harms or affects. That's the bad news. See, and that bad news is saying that everyone's just living for themselves, and they're their own God. And if they're their own God, when you don't give them what they want, then they're going to attack you, harm you, hurt you. But the good news is the fact that Jesus Christ has come to redeem sinners sinners such as ourselves. And it is through Christ Jesus, his perfect life his death, burial, and resurrection, that he provides the forgiveness of sin and he, he gives us the righteousness that we need. And the good news is the fact that God sees our problem and he has made a way for us to be reconciled to him. Matter of fact, he paid the price. He has redeemed the, he has redeemed the people to himself. He has bought us back from the slave block. He has bought us back from, 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 from uh, wickedness and iniquity. He has saved us from head hell, headlong into hell. Through Jesus Christ. And we have this beautiful gospel, this gospel that is about a kingdom. The good news that life with God under the rule of God is available to all who would turn from their rebellion and trust in King Jesus. The good news about a cross that the, uh, through faith in Jesus' perfect life, his death For our sins and victorious resurrection from the dead, we are justified and reconciled to God. This is the good news about grace, uh, God's, uh, God's wonderful acceptance of us, not because we have earned it or deserve it, but because he gives it to us freely at Christ's expense. This is the good news of the gospel, and this is the good news that Paul's ministry is completely founded on. Everything that he does is based upon the centrality of the gospel in his life. In verse 1, Paul says to us, he introduces himself as a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. My job is all about the gospel. My ministry is all about the gospel. My waking up And my laying down is all about the gospel. So so in a sense, not only is Paul's entire ministry founded upon the gospel, Paul's entire life is founded upon the gospel. Because he knows he wouldn't be who who he is had not the Lord saved him on that road to Damascus. Beloved, I I don't know about you, but we all have some type of Damascus road in our life where we were headed one way and God came and met us where we were headed to. And he says, "I, I want you to stop kicking against the goals and come to me. This is Paul. He's declaring, had it not been for the good news of Jesus Christ, where would I be? And the weightiness of this impact upon his life just comes bursting forth in these three, three, three scriptures. And, and, and Paul kicks off and, and, and he reminds us from the onset that the gospel is good news because the gospel never disappoints. <laughs> what does he say in verse 16 at the first half of it? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Ha, he says, I am not ashamed. I ain't scared to make it, uh, make it known that, uh, that the gospel is what has saved me. I am not ashamed to let everybody know that God has had an impact on my life. I'm not afraid of what the haters may say. I'm not afraid of what they may say about me on my job when I'm making tents. I'm not afraid about what the the bystanders may say as I walk by. I am not scared about what my family may think. I'm not scared about what the government may think. He says, "I'm, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, and I'm not ashamed because the gospel never disappoints. The flip side of that, he's saying, I have all confidence. Have you ever been ashamed of something in your life? I know we got stuff we ashamed of right now that we ain't telling nobody. That's, y'all like it. That's going to my casket. That's going to my casket with me. It ain't coming out for nobody. And there's some things that we've done in our life that we we, we sorrowfully regret and we look back on and there's this shame. but, 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 But what Paul is saying is that everything that God does through the gospel never brings about any shame. He says there's complete freedom in the gospel. There's complete deliverance in the gospel. This is why he says in Romans 8 and1, "Now there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's part of the gospel. The fact that because Jesus bled and died, that yo, uh, the, uh, the worst thing that you have done can be forgiven, because the blood of Jesus is just that powerful. Because like we, we said last week, because grace is greater. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. Grace is greater. I don't care uh, how, you, uh, uh, how foolish you may have acted. Grace is greater. And Paul is saying, "I am not ashamed of the gospel. I have full confidence because it does with it, it sets out to do, and the gospel never disappoints. This is something pretty important that Paul is saying here. Because think about Paul—he's a well-traveled dude by this time. He's been on some missionary journeys. Paul has been to to, the, to these islands. He's been to Corinth. He's been to Philippi. He's been to Ephesus. He's been to all these different regions, and he's seen the gospel work. He's seen. Uh, he's he's. He, he wants to come to this capital because he wants to share with them all the things that the gospel is doing. He's, he's, been, he's been shipwrecked. He's been beat. He, he, he goes through all of these experiences, and every single time, in every single experience, Paul comes out on the other side of that experience. He says, yep, the gospel did not fail me once again. He comes out on the other side of the mountain he comes out on the other side of the valley and, say, and he looks back over his life and he says the gospel has never failed me yet he's never seen the gospel fail and but quite the opposite Paul has seen the gospel strengthen the souls of brothers and sisters in the faith He's seen how how when he came to Lydia's house, how she, she, she wanted to know about the gospel and how he preached the gospel to Lydia. And her heart was transformed and the blessing she became and how that encouraged the church. Paul knows what it means to, to see the gospel convert those far from God, those who, who are least likely to come to faith. Paul knows that the gospel he, it, it, it not only has the power to change a, a bad person, but the gospel has, a, has the power to l- deliver young girls from demon possession. God knows God Paul knows the gospel never fails. He's seen the gospel transform an entire economy from that once was idolatrous, that once was uh, uh, sick in, in, in their sin. He's seen how once the, the gospel pervaded this city, how they turned over all their idols. They got rid of all their sinful literature, and they, and they, and they, and they, and they gave themselves to the Lord so much so that the vendors were mad because business was bad. That's the power of the gospel. What, what God is teaching us from from just those few words at the beginning, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, is the fact that God is unstoppable. When God declares that he wants to do something, he's going to do it. And no one can thwart his desires. He's the God of heaven. And because God is unstoppable, if God has chosen to use you for his purposes, hear me out, beloved, whatever God has caused you to do will be unstoppable. It doesn't matter if COVID gets in the way. It doesn't matter if police brutality gets in your way. It doesn't matter if racism gets in your way. It doesn't matter if socioeconomic hardship gets in your way. If God has called you for his purposes through the gospel, you're unstoppable. That's good news today. Today. But not only is the gospel good news because it never disappoints, the gospel is good news because it always says. In 16b, the second half, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Why you ain't ashamed? For it is the power of God for salvation. Now what is Paul saying here? He is saying, that in the gospel message, the actual power of, of God himself lives, rules, and reigns to the point that is it's able to, to, to transform someone's life completely and totally. He's saying the gospel is like those electrical pads that they, when someone dies and they and, 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 and they put the, the, the oil on those pads, and someone is dead, they, they flatline. They, they have no life. They have no breath. They have no pulse. He's saying for our spiritual man that we're dead in our trespasses and sin, but, but God hooks us up to his 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 holy uh, uh, uh doctor's table, and then he he, he puts uh the, the the glorious grace of the Holy spirit on his paddles through Jesus Christ and he, and he reaches down and he tells the folks to clear and he hits the power source himself and then he begins to shock our hearts and to to, to say clear and, and, and poof and he hits us and the power that is transferred from himself to us creates life where we were dead he wakes us up that is the power of the gospel it actually has the power to do something in your life you was dead i was dead I had no pulse. I had no breath. I had no heartbeat. But God reached down and said, clear, and woke me up. That's the power of God for salvation. The gospel in and of itself mediates God's saving power for all who would believe in its message. What is he saying? He's saying the very content of the gospel are not mere words, but the God-man Christ Jesus. The power of God through his Holy Spirit bringing to life dead men and dead women. And it says unto salvation. What does he mean? Salvation—that word, I like, like to be saved from—we're, uh, we're, 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 we're instantly saved from the penalty of sin. That sin debt that we owe. As God's sanctifying power through the Holy Spirit works in us, we are being saved from the power of sin. How do you know if you're being saved from the power of sin, beloved? You begin to have a testimony of, I used to. (laughs) That's how you know you're being sanctified. Boy, I used to. If if the old, you know how you do, the old me would have. (laughs) That's how you know that the the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit is rescuing you from the power of sin. That no longer are you the person who would have or could have, but you're the person that, that God has delivered from. But then ultimately, as God is working and we see him face to face, the the word of God reminds us that we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. That's salvation. The land of no more, no more drama, no more issues, no more sin, no, no more Facebook posts. You're like, oh, I can't believe they say it. And ain't no more. ain't no more of that. But not only hear this. In the salvation, not only is God rescuing us from, salvation from God is a rescuing from and a rescuing to. He, he saves us from sin, and then he, he gives us his righteousness. So, 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 so the, uh, a holistic understanding of salvation is, 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 is God keeping me from and giving my soul what it needs. That's what salvation really means. God's provision for what our soul needs the most. So when I look at this text, Paul is saying God is near. Because if the very power of God is in the gospel, when he saves you and fills you with his Holy Spirit, God is nearer to you than ever before. He's not a far-off God that we can't touch and we can't hear from. He's right here. The gospel is good news because it always saves. But then thirdly, the gospel is good news because it transforms broken people. Look here in verse 17. He says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. What is Paul talking about? The righteousness of God. There's, there's a couple different ways you can look at this and apply this. The, the very righteousness of God. The, uh, so, so, so is God revealing himself in the sense that his character is righteous? He's righteous in character. He's holy. He's set apart. And he's not like us. He's not like man that he should lie. So he, he's righteous in his character, but then he is right, he is right and righteous in all of his actions. God is just. He does what is right. He does what is perfect. So in the gospel, it's revealing the character of our God, his goodness, his holiness, his, his majesty, and it's revealing that he is, he is not only good in and of himself, but he's good to us, his creation, and he is rightly acting and moving in the world to do what is right. But not only is the righteousness of God revealing who God is, but the righteousness of God is what is being revealed in us and to us because he is saying the righteousness of God, it it is coming for in it, the, the gospel being applied to my life, so in it now I have a change of status where I was unholy but because of his justification by faith through grace that now I am made righteous because I, I am being uh, uh being made righteous through the blood of Jesus I have a righteousness that is not my own but it was imputed upon me placed upon me making my status change therefore if I'm just doing some biblical theology right quick therefore if anyone is in Christ he's a new creature the old has passed away. Behold, uh, all things have become new. Why? Why are things new? Because I've received this righteousness from God. So I have a a new status and not only do I have a new status, but I have a new outlook on life because my sin nature, which once was enslaved by sin and I only wanted to sin, I now have a nature that, that, that is righteous and wants to do what's right. The only reason I pray is because I got a new nature. The only reason I read my Bible is because I got a new nature. The only reason I want to be with the saints on a Sunday morning is because I have a new nature. What God is doing in his righteousness is revealing himself in us and through us. The righteousness of God is here indwelling you in you, around you, surrounding you. Do you know the, your position? Because of your position in Jesus, you are as righteous as you will ever be right now. Right now. Because of what Jesus... See, you think you, you like... You, you, your mind is like you having cognitive, cognitive dissonance right now. You're like, whoa, I'm righteous? Like, yes. Positionally in Jesus... Because our life is hidden in Christ, we are as righteous as we will ever be because of the blood of Jesus. And what this life is all about is God taking us from where we are and and, and developing us and conforming us and shaping us to meet who we really are in his eyes. The righteousness of God. One scholar says God righteously makes people righteous. Righteous. In this imputation, to impute, it means to to feel something with, to put, put it on top of. So God, he puts his righteousness on us, and what that reveals about God is just the fact that God is kind. God is kind. He didn't have to. He didn't have to, but he did. So because God is kind, I have good news Today, because everything that I truly need, He's already given it to me. Second Peter one and three reminds us He has given us everything we need for life and godliness already. So I got good news today. Lastly, the gospel is good news because it sustains broken people. It sustains broken people. He says it is revealed from faith to faith, from faith for faith, as it is written, "The righteous shall live by." Faith. That faith for faith, it could be in, interpreted a, a few different ways or explained a few different ways. Just for the sake of time, well, what he's saying is, it, it, it is through the it is through the faith in the gospel that you are fa- are saved, and it is that continual faith that 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 that, that of, uh, in the gospel that keeps you from the beginning to end. It is. It is through initial faith that I'm saved, and it is in this faith that I'm being kept. So so I've used the illustration before. It's, it's, it's like being shot uh, uh, in the space shuttle, in a rocket into outer space. You you get into the shuttle, and you strap yourself in, and then they, they fire, four, three, two, one, and they launch you into the stratosphere and into space. That is your initial faith. When you first come to... To, to, to Jesus through repentance and faith. You are you are transformed by faith and you now belong to him. But however you would not open up the cockpit to the space shuttle and just begin to walk out in outer space under your own strip No, you you stay in the, in the shuttle you don't just go outside the shuttle do you you stay in the shuttle because the shuttle has all your oxygen yeah, the shuttle has all the, your vital signs all your vital needs it has your water it has your food you, you stay in the shuttle as you're going through space that is the the idea from faith for faith you are by faith launched into salvation and by faith you are kept in your salvation God is keeping us, which is why he finishes and concludes, for the righteous shall live by faith. He's saying there's no other way to go through this life. It's by faith. It's not by the law. It's not just doing more good things than bad things. It's not by going to church. It's not by being a nice person. It's not by reading your Bible or praying like you quote-unquote should, it is completely by faith. And just as God says the righteous shall live by faith, he is showing to us through the text, and the reason why this is good news is because he shows himself that God is faithful. God is faithful. He keeps broken people. And because God is faithful, you, you can have confidence in saying, I have been changed. Because God is faithful, I, I can't say, I, I, I do belong to God. I can't trust the fact that he loves me. And I, I can trust that he will keep loving me. So two things I want us to think about as we walk through that text Is namely today, when we think about good news today, how much confidence do you really have in the gospel today? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Not not in the sense that you're you're scared of what people may think, but are you ashamed of the gospel in the sense that you don't have confidence in the gospel? That, That you're trying to make a way out of no way your way and not God's way? How much confidence do you really have in the gospel? Then secondly, how... How does the gospel impact your, imp- your every day? Does the gospel actually have implications for how you walk, talk, think, do? Does the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ actually affect how you behave each and every day? You know, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter and the, the verses 3 through 5, Paul takes the 16th chapters of, of Uh, Romans, and he he compacts it into just a few verses where he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried and and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's a summary of the entire gospel. And, And if we really think about the gospel, we realize just how unworthy we are to receive this good gospel. And we are unworthy because we are sinful. We are disobedient. See, but that's why salvation is by faith in the one who is worthy. And the one who is worthy is Jesus Christ. Because he lived a life that we could not live and he died the death that we deserve. And that uh, through repentance and faith, we can have this salvation. And through repentance and faith, we can continue in this salvation. Is the, go- is the gospel good news to you today? Is it good news to you today? If the gospel is good news to you today, then I pray that you will continue to turn to Jesus through repentance and faith, whether it's the first time of your faith or the one millionth time of your faith, but that the gospel will save you, and I pray that the gospel will keep you. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the majesty. Thank you for the glory that we find in your gospel. We thank you for your kindness and the blessing of the day and the opportunity we have to fellowship and to, and to glorify you. The Lord, I pray that you would use the truth of your gospel to impact our lives in incredible ways this week. May we be sustained. May we be encouraged. May we be uh, empowered and strengthened through your, through, through your gospel this week, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, beloved, how will you respond to Jesus' words today? You can respond by trusting Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, by admitting that you are a sinner, believing in Jesus Christ by faith and calling upon him to save you. Or maybe your need is just repentance because you have not been uh, uh, standing on the gospel. Maybe you've moved on from the gospel. You've moved on to more sophisticated things, but, but we can't move away from the gospel. You can simply repent and turn toward, back towards Jesus and let him sustain you by faith. So whatever, whatever you need is salvation, um, repentance. Just encourage you to uh, spend time right where you are or on your way home or utilize our uh, website and our visitor's form to contact us and we'll reach out to you. Uh, but today is the day of salvation. And that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. Amen. So, as we get ready to dismiss from this place, but never from God's presence, I pray that you will be uh, strengthened by uh, uh, by the presence of one another today. Uh, again, as we leave out, we'll be dismissed by roles, and uh, again, encourage though your family, friends, and loved ones uh, to, uh, if they uh, uh, do have the desire to worship face to face to utilize the website, to pre-register, and uh, we continue to look, look to see what God is going to do during the season of life. Amen? Well, let's all stand together and not so much hold our neighbor, but think about our neighbor and repeat after me, but my God shall supply all of your needs, all of my needs, according to his riches, in glory through Christ Jesus. In him we live. Check your neighbor and say we move and have our being. For we walk by faith and not by sight. For greater is he that's in you, that's in me, than he that's in the world. For God is with us, and no one can be against us. For I say unto one, I say unto all, watch, look, and pray. They give someone a holy hug. You are dismissed.